Welcome to Inside Motor Show, part of the MX Vice Network. A new podcast series available on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Inside Motor Show is brought to you by Even Strokes, a UK-based motocross shop where 25% of all sales go into running MX Vice. The home of asterisk carbon knee braces, kite wheels and parts, armor sports supplements, and just one kit bundles. Even Strokes has you covered. I had the pleasure of talking to the legendary Robin Waters, aka Doc Wobb, co-founder of Foxhills VMXDN, Doc Wobb Parts, and former mechanic and Smith Goggle Guy. I really enjoyed this one. I hope you guys do too. I would like to welcome to the studio um, the legend that is Doc Wobb, who's kind of been there, seen it, done it, actually selling t-shirts now with VMXDN on and everything. So um Welcome to the MX Vice Studio, uh, Doc. It's great to have you um, in here. Obviously, I've, I've, we, we've kind of walked past each other in the pits, um, said hello, but never really had a, a discussion until today. No, well, thanks for having me. It's uh, nice that you're interested in anything I can come up with. But um, yeah, I mean, like I say, I've known you for quite a few years. Never really had much to do with it. No offense. No, but, no. You know, I was, sometimes uh, it's the best way. I'm usually, <laughs> I'm usually when I'm in the pits, got my head down. I've got somewhere to go, and uh, I want to go home. That's well, it's it, it's kind of funny because um, obviously I'm quite quite old school, and everybody knows me as as being quite old school. I've got my 1990 KX100. Um, you know, next door, which I used to, that's the one I managed to buy back, um, what I used to ride. Nice. And, um, you know, I, I am kind of, uh, a 90s motocross, uh, kid. I started in the eighties or whatever. So it, I, I, you know, I watch your stuff. I, I listen to the podcast that you're on. So for me, it's really nice to get you on because it's kind of like somebody who's quite close to an era of, of what I love and respect and stuff like that. And now I've kind of got in this kind of business role I've got with MX Vice It's kind of, it's a completely different um environment to kind of that side because i i guess if ever i was ever, ever to run a media business the 90s would have been the coolest time to have ever run mx vice and i think it would have excelled even more than it is i now. think looking back the 90s were a lot cooler than they felt at the time and uh, i was lucky enough to go to the states the first time in 93 and spend a lot of time with brian swink and jeff glass and new mac who was my guy and I got to meet a lot of the cool people then. And then back with Paul Eddy and then <sighs> Factory Suzuki. Uh, it was good. I mean, but you didn't realize in 93, you know, you're watching McGrath number 15 on the Honda. And you still look at those times now. And to us then, it was just new kid who's doing good. And you're just trying to make a name for yourself or trying to do the best job you can because nobody knows you. Nobody knows what you're capable of. Um, when I got there, I was surprised at the the level of mechanics that were doing the job. You know, they couldn't open up engines. They'd do a top end. They couldn't do a gearbox, couldn't build suspension, couldn't build wheels. I was doing stuff for Ray Somo and Glass. I was helping them build their bikes because they they their mechanics couldn't, couldn't do crazy. that stuff. And it's just like, you know, I remember the one time we had a gearbox issue and they're like, oh, ship it to Tom Morgan. I'm like, well, I'll take it apart and see what it needs. And he's like, I bet you 100 bucks it won't start again. I'm like, I'll fucking show you. <laughs> Thanks for the 100. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I tore it apart way more than you should, really. You know, I took the cylinder off, took all the power valves out, all the, all the V-block, took everything apart, filled the whole fucking bench with it. Far more than you'd ever need to. Um, put it back together. And fucking for the life of me, it started first kick. 
Wow. I just couldn't pay for that. It was mega. Love that. And, you know, Numac, who I was working for, he had his chick with him all the time and didn't want to do much with me. So I ended up, Swink used to live in Ocala, which was 40 minutes away. I ended up just staying there with Swink and Swink was the funnest fucking guy. Really? Oh, fucking chaos. Absolute. You know, when you say to people, oh, I'm mad I am. (sighs) (laughs) There's levels. These boys are fucking chaos. Really? uh, They're young. They got so much money. And everybody thinks they're great. They get away with fucking murder. It was fun times yeah. growing up, but it's what it is. You got to do your job. You can't. You can't not do your job. But when Dunno used to have a lot of fun with them. What do you? Because this is the you know I, I spoke to Lucas Myrtle in um yeah I spoke to him in sort of January this year and I got got, got to catch up with him again at, at Redbird and obviously he's looking after the Lawrence brothers now and stuff like that, but. You know, his background was uh, he was the mechanic for one of the crusty de- for the crusty demons. And yes. Basically, they're out partying all night, and he was the only guy who was up in the day to answer the phone. So yeah. that's how he naturally got into the, this whole business role. So why why I mean, they were able to race. They were able, and and the talent of that era was. No, Ricky unreal. Carmichael fucked it up. <laughs> he absolutely <laughs> fucked it because McGrath and Jeremy. Uh, you know, and Emig and those guys were having fun. And they were playing mind games a little bit. They were training more than they said they were. Yeah. But I didn't see it. I just, you know, we used to hang out with them a fair bit. And you really, the Jeremy, uh, Ricky fucked it. Ricky just came out of the gate, worked so hard and changed the game. Really? Not only in riding style, but in effort that now needs to be put in with your Alden Bakers. Nobody had any of that shit. Nobody was doing any of that. So Ricky was the guy who changed the game. Ricky fucked it. So Ricky took the fun out of motocross. That's yes, what we're saying. pretty much. Between Ricky and Yamaha making a four-stroke, that's pretty much that's... the two things that <laughs> fucked the job up. I think we should just end the podcast now. I think we just summed up what's gone wrong. There you go. We got it. <laughs> we, f- we fixed it. There we fixed go. it, yeah. So uh, lo- looking back, those are two iconic moments. So, uh, you know, I, I've got a bit of a thing with, you know, obviously I love two strokes in, 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 and I do love four strokes, but the one thing I've noticed is is my gap of going out of motocross was coming back in four strokes where it were in. And those local motocross tracks just all going. I mean, we, before the show, I was talking to you and literally Tesco's is built on one track and, and we got another track opposite the, the unit here, which got closed down. It's, you know, within this just... Uh, 20 mile square radius there was over 30 tracks back in um like the the 80s there was a local club norton and radstock club in corsham which were, were quite local what the problem with the four strokes is i did a lot of work with bill's pipes when i was at suzuki and they were explaining to me about the the way that sound carries yeah and basically that pop 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 sound is a, is um uh what's it called sonic boom it's a small sonic boom which carries and if you ever look if you ever start a four stroke on like a dusty car park yeah and you'll see these little puffs of smoke and different and that's sonic but it's really weird and you know those canisters that they've all built on the front pipes now that's to take away some of that really yeah and it's just another thing with the four strokes is the noise is that is the air box when i used to travel to the grand prix with roger harvey and the japanese hrc engineers used to come with us it's all about the air box the amount of sound that comes from there but i think four strokes have done i hope not irreparable harm to the, to the sport. It's fucked it up. Well, and it's just, massively. It, it, you know, they, when, but I know from my time at Suzuki, they didn't want to build one. They didn't. They didn't want to build one. They, they did it because everybody else was. And at the time, that's where everybody said, unless we got a four stroke, we're not going to be competitive. 
and they didn't want to do it. You know, Honda spent all that money on the CRF, even though Yamaha kind of got accredited with doing it first, which they did in like 97, 98. Uh, but Honda in, was it 01? They built that CRF 450 that Rhino rode. Yeah. Uh, and then Suzuki and Carrie came along later. It, uh, it's just made it really expensive to build. The bikes are too fast, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the best racing you've ever seen in your life is 125 racing. I, I, I heard you um, on the Two Pro One Slow Show talking about the the race between Brown and in, in Rhino, crazy race. which is one of your favorite races. Yeah, that was insane because you just didn't know who was going to come out of the next turn first, and neither did they. They were just going at it, and to see two hardcore racers like that, they, it was the best race I think I've seen. But you know, when I first saw Strybos from Van der Berg, that was a fucking eye opener. That was proper fast. That made you realize these boys are on it. The, the, what, most of the best racing you've ever seen is on smaller bikes. Yeah. You don't see that kind of racing on 450s anymore, really. No, you don't. It, it, the, the thing for me is, is I think we're, we're going through a quite a, an interesting period. I, I would say it's the same type of period of, of, of what's happening with the two strokes and the four strokes, that sort of era. Yeah. And I think we're going to see um, a change with electric bikes coming in. So the electric like, stuff, it's like cars. Who the fuck heard of a Tesla five years ago? Yeah. And, you know, they've come out the gate now, this dark Varg, which looks good. And there's stuff coming out of China. Well, you've got Suron, which is just... Fucks that. It's just Chinese thing. But they're selling in massive numbers. Yeah. And with that comes development, and the thing will get better. Yeah. The company will have more money. And I, like you were talking about practice tracks, I don't know if the practice tracks are ever going to come back like they did, purely because somebody owns that land. And if somebody gets paralyzed whilst riding on that land, somebody's going to get sued. Yeah. And that was n us growing up. You wouldn't even occur to sue somebody. Oh, it's your own fault. Even <laughs> you riding a dirt bike and you fell off and you hurt yourself. And that's, yeah. but you wouldn't even think of it. But now it's, you sit in an hospital, some fucking ambulance chaser is going to come up and say, I can get you 3 million for this. You're going to go for it, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, I think the electric stuff is definitely going to come. It's definitely going to, I think it's going to, encompass the youth who are video game generation. Yep. And they're going to see that you can tune it by buying it, downloading something, and that'll be your tuning. Um, can you imagine that like, in the future? Like you've just, you just, you know, tapped into something there where it really is going to be, you're going to go online, you're going to get, you'll be able to download a map for Hawkstone. Yeah, yeah, of course you will. Yeah, it'll be perfect. But, you know, think of this, what the FIM going to do about power delivery for the, for the 450 class, well, you knock yourself out because they're too fast as it, as it is. Yeah. But for the 250 class, how are they going to place that? Because if they set something on the bike that you can monitor, they've gotten around the rev limiters. Yeah. When now you're dealing with electronic stuff, which can be changed from a distance, you're never going to... I don't know if they're ever going to work in 250F racing unless everybody's on one. And I don't know how... I don't know how you're going to police it. I really don't know about the power delivery or whatever, because you can't police the power delivery on a 250F class because you're limited by the CCs. But it's not a maximum of so much horsepower. And that's how you're going to have to limit the 250F or the smaller class. Or is it going to be battery power that's going to be? I don't understand it enough, but watching Kenny on that Stark Vark thing, he looked good on it. Yeah. And I, I, all it's going to take is one guy to show up on of that level on one, and the tide's going to turn. And it's like with cars, like I say, with Tesla, you know, 
the technology seems to come from left field. You would think with cars it would be Audi, Ford, Vauxhall, but it's not. It's strange. It's Polestar, which I know is Volvo, but it comes from left field. The same with motocross seems to come. You think Honda, would, I know they've got one, but never seen the thing. One of the, uh, I've just come back from Eichma and um, I I was at Eichma, I think it was at 18, when um, there was just this little corner stand, which was, uh, they usually have like a contingency um you know, from China set up. So like yeah. they have the Taiwanese in, in China and, 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 you know, they, they invite over all these small businesses yeah. and that's where I first seen Sarom. Yeah. And that's, I think I'm pretty sure it was about 18 and I, and I looked at it and I was just like, that's, that's a game changer. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was just this bike on its own. Um, it was hard to try and get anybody on the stand to talk English, yeah. but I was like, you know, I was like, how, like, how can I get hold of one? And they're yeah, like, exactly. yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of just, building at the moment this is a prototype you have to i I don't know the numbers but i mean how many of them are sold compared with how many cof 450s are sold it's going to be ridiculous numbers but the uh the interesting thing is um they're not just selling to um the public they're selling to um you know military so we're talking numbers which you know they're the military is probably i've never heard i've never heard anybody slate it for quality wise they look all right i know derek edmondson's been doing a bit with it he's been on to me for some different breaks and whatever because i think they're pushing the envelope with it yeah but you know you see these indoor tracks and they do look a bit of fun on those little sirons or those electric things and you see some other brands coming out cake or whatever yeah i think whether we like it or not and i like the sound of two-stroke makes but i don't like the sound of four-stroke makes no and you have to move with the times you can't I mean, can you imagine in the future kind of riding your bike and listening to music? Well, yeah. I mean, people say about the stadiums, oh, it's going to be shit. Well, better than a four-stroke, I think. Yeah. And it's just, just put the music on, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you should have an orchestra doing like they used to in the old silent movies. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? Isn't <laughs> is it, is it a fad now with these uh, silent discos where... Um, yeah, it's got headphones on. Yeah, put your headphones on. So yeah. who, who knows how it's going to go? But I think it's a few, oh, It's definitely coming. Yeah. I think, we, <clears> I think we need to embrace it. I think the aftermarket people are going to be struggling because, you know, you're still going to buy plastics. You're still going to buy tires, chain sprockets, graphics you know exhaust pipes motor stuff is going to go away but you know <sighs> there's got to be battery companies like uasm and, and bt they got to be exploring this technology now um it, because that's going to be the future isn't well, that's it? The, what the, the most all efficient these battery. big companies are, are, are throwing massive money at it like i've got a friend of mine who's in the the military in the states and he tells me they've got tank batteries that charge instantly like you plug them in, it's charged up. I don't know how much they are, how long they last, I don't know, but that's what he tells me. It's wow. just the technology's there. Yeah. It's just affordability. It's just the yeah. And you've only got, you know, I know some guys at F1 and, the, you know, the batteries, they could have just a battery car. Wow. You know, and... So it's there, it's just not efficient. It's, it's not efficient for your everyday job. It's going to take a bit of time. It's like, you know, when a microwave first came out or a DVD player, you know, it's fortunes. Yeah. Now they're 30 quid. Yeah. And... I still don't know how they work, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's coming and I, I think we need to embrace it. And I think we need to, I think that will get a new generation that half interested and get them off the video games, get them out and about. Absolutely. I, I, I can't see, and like, apart from the sound, we all love two straight sound, we just love four straight sound, but you know, apart from that, I can't see the negatives. No, you can have a track in your back garden and not offend anybody. And your dad can maintain the bike. <sighs> exactly. It's not, what have you got to do? Change your grips, change your tires. I think it's a, I think it's a win-win. I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be great. I just want to see 
some of the big manufacturers come out the gate and put somebody decent on one just to see how much damage they can do because they must have a battery that can last 20 laps. Why, why do you think they've been so hesitant and, and why are the Chinese at the moment at the forefront? And, and I, feel, the I, feel that they're, I feel that they're more prepared to take a gamble and fail, whereas a Honda can't come out with something that's not fucking perfect, not the best thing. They have to hold back. I did see there's a new Yamaha, but that's not built by Yamaha, is it? I, I heard it's a, a, it's a Dutch company. Yeah, it's not built by Yamaha. It's no. a Yamaha chassis. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not an advocate of electric cars, personally. Uh, I understand they're efficient and whatever else. But then again, it's like comparing a microwave oven, all right? You know, a microwave oven's efficient. It's cheap. It works. It heats up your food quick. You don't want a microwave burger, do you? No. You want a burger on a grill. Yeah. That stinks. Yeah. And is not environmentally friendly, but, <laughs> but it tastes good. So there's your flavor. You've got no flavor in an electric car. Yeah, exactly. You know, I just bought a little Toyota Yaris GR just to black around in because it's got a bit of flavor to it. It's a little yeah. fun thing, you know? I'm a bit of a car buff. I mean, I must admit, I, I do like my cars. Uh, do you know what? That's funny because uh, I am, um, for the first time ever, I think it's probably, you know, I was doing quite well in, in business when I had uh, the, the digital agency and I got myself a nice Mercedes um, C-Class. <laughs> Really, really cool and everything else. And then it was the same year I bought the Navarro truck. Oh, fucking <laughs> And uh, I, I, my Navarro truck's like 11 years old now, but it's it's 190 brake horsepower. It's, and I love it. And and what happened was the Mercedes just stayed on the drive. Yeah. And uh, I just drove the truck everywhere because I just loved the grunt and everything else. So it's like, I'm never going to get away from that. It's, you know, I will probably will eventually get an, an electric car because it'll be cheaper eventually <laughs> once they've ironed it all out. Yeah. However, I still want to have, um, you know, my dream's always to have like an old American Chevy truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I well, just, I'll I just think I'd, I'm not going to be able to afford one because of the price of them. Now I don't need range anxiety. <laughs> I've got enough stress in life. I don't need any more. <laughs> I need to worry if I'm going to make it somewhere. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, you know, for me, I, I look at electric. Uh, obviously, you're you're a great person to speak to, given what you do like with um with docwab with with the business you've built you're the go-to guy pretty much around the world for any sort of parts which people are looking for any information or, or tech i mean what you don't know about is not worth knowing so it's really good to hear your thought process on electric because everybody i guess who wouldn't have listened to this would have thought you'd be anti-electric no i like the noise a two-stroke makes the sound of a, a good Set up two-stroke going up Hawkston Hill. Can't beat that. No. But there's more to it than that. You know, and you've got to look at the good of the sport and getting new kids into it. Like a lot of these kids don't want to go out and get dirty. They just want to be video game guys. And this is maybe a stepping stone. And if it gets people out there riding and the gear company selling stuff and the helmet people selling stuff and the tire people doing well, it's good for all of us. Yeah. And the way I can see it is that I think we'll double the amount of people in motocross. And they might not be at your local... Uh, club race mm. they might not be at your fat cat but what they might be on is a stubble field yeah i think what you'll find is the tracks will get smaller the bikes are smaller the server one's a lot smaller than a crf 450 yeah still the same amount of fun yeah and it's like we mentioned earlier about you know the best racing you've ever seen it's not one two five it's nothing to do with the power it's just how you can ride that bike yeah and you know i think the 450s are too powerful i think they're not doing anybody any favors because that's the the one thing what's killing the M mxgp at the moment you know I'm, I'm gonna be blatantly honest now is that you know i i don't get paid to go to mxgp we work we do content marketing you know 
MX Vice is built out of us going to races and reporting on it. Mm. So it's not like I'll, I might get my press pass taken away, but um, I'll just buy a ticket. So, um, <laughs> so at the end of the day, my, my opinion is is like MXGP it, with four fifties. When you're watching a race, in it, it's took the fun away. We had the, uh, that amazing. Uh, 2021 was an amazing year when we had everybody close to winning, you know, the championship. That was, that was great racing. But apart from that, a lot of the tracks now just lend itself to this procession of, of riders not being able to pass because everybody's, you know, in the air at the same time. They're able to- well, that's like a rhythm section. I never understood a rhythm section to get, to get it right. You've got to go the same speed as everybody else. If you go you faster, you're going to get gonna punished. Over, you're going to over jump stuff. You don't go fast enough. So you have to go the same speed. Well, where's that making for good racing? Yeah. And it's like the tracks, I don't know. I don't want to sit here and badmouth GPs because the 450 class in the States is quite exciting. Yeah. So it ain't the bike, evidently. No. You know, and, and it, you know, the- when you get to a lesser class, lesser class, that sounds awful, but like AMCA Championship, what's there, six or seven guys on the line? Yeah. Fuck's that about? Yeah. I mean, when I was doing AMCA, it was real prestigious to qualify for that championship, let alone race it. Well, those guys have gone through a bit of a weird transition because going back, I think it was kind of pre-COVID, they did have 40 on the line. Yeah. And it just seems over the last couple of years, people have kind of shied away from the AMCA when I, I, it was only a couple, like three, four years ago, I was championing it saying, you know, doing a really good job there because they did have four lineups. And thing now- is, Thing is with the motocross industry, you've only got to go to a practice track. It's fucking rammed. And the races are not. And you try to explain to people, listen, you need to go race. Because what you get out of sitting on a start gate with your bollocks tingling, yep. thinking I've got to go that first turn. And I know as soon as the gate drops, it's gone. The nerves are gone. You're not nervous oh, yeah. anymore. You're, You're just, just focused on just staying getting on. on with the best you can <laughs> and getting irritated with the guy in front of you. That's what it is. Yeah. But all the practice in the world don't replace that. And I know it's value for money. And I know you're on your bike. and But I think that the... the, the AMCA, for example, the summit needs changing. I don't know what. I'm not that guy, but it used to be pretty prestigious. Yeah. To to win an AMCA championship was big news. It was huge. Yeah. You know, but that goes on to, you know, how many British champions? I mean, like I say, my Facebook lights up for like three three or four weeks. I'm British champion. I'm on with <laughs> Fucking, I don't even know who you are, let yeah. alone. And that's no offense. It's just. Have you won a British championship? What championship which, are you? Which British you know? championship? Yeah, which yeah. British championship? There's so many. It gets so diluted. Yeah. It, it kind of, like, you know, going back to the MXGP, my point is that they're, they are an events and promotion company. So ideally they're trying to make their event as exciting as possible to encourage more people to watch. Yeah. So, I think you can't just blame MXGP because obviously the guys are going to want to race. And I'd sound like Ralph Venables all back in my day. <laughs> but, you know, when I was doing the British Championships with Rob Andrews, Mervyn Anstey, Mark Banks, all those. Yeah. There was a grading list. And they would so obviously got Kurt and Thorpe. You were automatically on the grading list. But then you'd have like eight, I think the number was. Of guys, and it was Andy Nichols, Rob Andrews, Mark Banks, Brian Wheeler, yeah, all, Kevin these, Froud, Kevin all Froud, these people, all yeah. these, and then you'd have a couple of guys, Stuart Coyle and whatever, getting Irish licenses to get in. Yeah. So there was always like ten or twelve British guys at the Grand Prix, and half of them being the top ten. So you had something to cheer for. Yeah. You know, Thorpey out there doing what Thorpey did, and fucking Rob Herons, Jeremy Watley. Oh my God, it was a different time. Yeah. Where's that gone? When, you know, our current British champions, you know, Tommy, bless him, is on the downside of his career. He's under no illusions. 
I love Tommy. Like still a, winning British championships. I love Tommy like a brother, <laughs> but he's on the downside of his career and he's doing really well with the internet stuff. And he still made himself viable or relevant, if that's the word. Super relevant at the moment. But you got Conrad, who's the fastest kid we got in the country. Is that arguable? Yeah. Would you say Conrad's the quickest kid we got? Absolutely, yeah. Why is he not doing good at Grand Prix? I, I know he's fast enough. Yeah. Speed ain't an issue. Is he not got the support? Well, he has got the support. But the same thing he's he said had, for Ben he's, Watson. He's had quite a few opportunities. Ben, Ben's another kid. But, you know, Ben had a lovely opportunity, a massive opportunity with Kawasaki this year. But, you know, Ben didn't rise to the occasion for whatever reason. I mean, I've known Ben. I used to be his dad's mechanic. Yeah. You know, I've known him forever. And I love the kid. He's, he's a lovely, lovely kid. And he just didn't... Don't know. I think he'd perform better on Roger McGee's Itachi KTM team yeah. than he would on the full factory Kawasaki team. And a few guys have gone that way, Sean Simpson and a few others, you know. Just kind of need that to back away from the the, the spotlight and, and do their own thing. It's that, and it's I think the, the expectation's not there. I think if they go out there and bust a top five on Roger McGee's team, everybody's over the moon with you. You yeah. go out and bust a, a top five on a factory Kawasaki team, they were all questioning what, what went wrong. Yeah, you're not winning. And I, I, I had that conversation with Ryan Villapoto at Fox Hill. And I told him, I said, mate, I genuinely thought when you were done, you would, would never see you again. He said, that's how I felt. Because I dealt with Ryan from 85s all the way through first couple of months at Pro Circuit. And he had that much pressure that he just and wanted I just to get watched, out. I just watched the life get sucked out of him. Really? And it started at PC, not so much because he was still a fun happy kid and then he went to factory Kawasaki and I'd known him at that point like 10 years and I'd talk to him you could just tell he just didn't want to be there he didn't want and he said dad the problem with Kawasaki was they'd go out and get second and they'd have to have a meeting about what went wrong <laughs> he said fuck all went wrong we got beat by James Stewart man <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell we should be happy with that but they'd have a meeting giving it discussing what, what what didn't go right you're like fucking hell it was just pressure on pressure and they were paying for that and that's what they get for their money, I suppose. But I genuinely didn't think we'd see Ryan again. And for Ryan now to be into the vintage stuff like he is and actually enjoy so it, in it. Oh, it's a pleasure because he's a lovely, funny, friendly kid. He yeah. really is. You're not a kid. He's got fucking kids and everything. Yeah, now, yeah, but yeah. It's nice to see. But you've known him for a long time. Oh. But you've seen every side of him. You've seen him growing up. You've seen the the, the factory side yeah, of him. Yeah, I mean, and me and Denny Stevenson used to go over to his family's have barbecues, drink with his dad. And, you know, good as gold, lovely. And when you see that drama was unfolding with the family and all the money situation, and it was just such a shame to Heartbreaking. see. Heartbreaking. It was, really, because I knew how cool they were, you know? And it yeah. was just, you know, the same with, you know, Weimer. He was a super cool kid, but he didn't fall out with the family. The exact opposite with him. Yeah. I'll tell you that story about Jake. No. His dad literally sold up to keep him racing. His dad was a potato farmer and literally sold the farm. Just to get him recent. keep funding. Still lived there, but rented it off the new owner. And with his first bonus check for winning the East Coast, I think he bought it back. Really? Yeah, he's a lovely kid, Jake. Holy shit, that's the yeah, coolest story I've been told. A lot of people don't know that was about Jake, but he didn't sing and dance about it. But he used the paycheck and go and went to the owner and bought it back off, give it, to, give it back to his dad. <laughs> that's amazing. How crazy is that? That is really, really cool. So... Yeah, I love those little nuggets. Which so we're talking, we're talking to him about coming to Fox Hill, so we'll try and get him... That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, Jake's a lovely kid. Yeah, that'd be really, really cool. We've got some really, really big stuff in the pipeline for that race. But you just, if you say about it, it doesn't happen, it makes you look like you're bullshitting, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, 
you know, I've, I've Farley's literally what, 20 minutes down the road from yeah. here. Um, you know, it's, it's iconic track. I, I went there in the eighties and then to see obviously your bikes there over the past, you know, sort of 10 odd years, um, was awesome. And obviously, you know, it's, it's new now you, you've obviously put a lot into Fox Hill and, and I didn't want to talk too much about Fox Hill because no, no, I know no. we want, we, we need Dave here to, cause it bounce, yeah, yeah, bounce off of both thing, of you. But the last thing you want is like me taking all the glory for Fox Hill and people thinking Dave's not involved. No, 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 no. It's, it, but it's like, obviously Dave's got his point of view. You've got your yeah, point of yeah, view yeah. and stuff like that. And it'd be great. And I'd love to get you both back in and yeah, talk no about, problem. cause I want to talk about like, um, the VMX DN was obviously a massive success to everybody who went there from the outside, yeah. everything. But no one gets to understand the inside. Mm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I spoke to you a little bit about the MX Nationals. And when I started the MX Nationals with, with um, Paul and Neil Irwin in 2000, I think it was 13, you, you know, I was the guy taking the money on the gate. I was the guy putting up banners at the track. Um, 58 days I spent just at, I think we had six ranks. Um, it just don't, people the, just the don't, work was people, incredible. Oh my God. The amount of, on the run up, not on the run up to it. I mean, the, the amount of time I spend on the phone and fucking chasing people around and just trying to, the questions you have, you're just like, Oh, I want to come up Thursday. And then my mum's coming down on, you're like, ah, oh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't. Yeah. And you just like, just fucking show up. It'd be all right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, like I said with Tommy, you know, like if you paint a room and you get a bit of paint on the skirting board, that's all you can see. Other people walk in, oh, it's nice in here. But all you can see is that little, and that's all I can see is as a bike builder, I was stressing because these boys are trying to break the bikes and yep. I'm thinking, fucking hell, it, them toilets need cleaning and yep. oh, there's not enough bins. Such and such can't park where he wants to. And that's what I was, that's all I saw. And I, I regret it now, but I wanted it to be over. Yeah, I, could, I was counting. I was like, oh, "I'll be over tomorrow." Yeah, last day tomorrow, and I didn't want to be that guy, but that's how it felt. Yeah, so it's kind. Of, but I'm guessing you've learned. You and Dave have learned from that this oh year. Oh my god, I'm hoping this second year is going to be easier than the first. And you can kind of like say, "Well, actually, if we had somebody who could just handle that part, yeah, yeah, yeah. because it is that whole that holy grail, isn't it, of getting to that point where it's an efficient. Well, the thing is, me and Dave were we come up with the idea. You know, he has his issues with the Farley people, and to do with me. You, but come to me with like let's do something then and we were selling an idea we couldn't use any content from farley and we let nothing it was just an idea we just Weird. gonna yeah. it's a piece of paper that's all we had and we were having ryan and brownie and zach doing these videos we're gonna ride and obviously tommy helped us out a lot um but now we've got all the content in the world yeah. And we've got all the pictures, all the aerial shots. We've got all. So getting sponsors is actually going to be a lot easier because you're not having to explain to people what you're doing. No, they already know what. They already know what's up. Yeah. Every sponsor we've spoken to so far wants back on board. We've got more people coming in. Uh, it's just managing them. So they're all happy with what they get. And it's, it's all right. But like I say, it's um, we're hoping for it to be half again as big. Yeah. I want it, I mean, the. The only thing that worries me a little bit is we had such a good feeling, atmosphere, vibe, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I don't know how we got that. So how can how we do get, you how do recreate we, it? Oh, fuck knows. It's yeah. just, you just hope we get the weather, we get okay weather. Yeah. And with the people coming in and they were keen to do the bikes. And I think, you know, we weren't struggling for riders anyway, but we're getting a few more now and we're getting the, some really big names in Europe. I've seen what we're doing. They yeah. want to come along and have a look. Absolutely. 
and pass riders, whether they want to race or not. I just want to come and say hello. And, you know, we're lucky that there's no Grand Prix that weekend. Yep. And I've looked at the schedules and there's nothing else on that weekend. So it's literally, I mean, if you were MX National, if you were MX, <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't, would you want to go against? No. Nah. You would, you'd be like, well, leave that weekend alone. No. Because you don't want to compete with them for, sp- for spectators. So I think there's not much else on that weekend. See, I, I came away on a Sunday um, because I, I went to go and talk to Zach. Yeah. Um, because I kind of knew what was going on in MX Vice and I wanted to um, have a chat with Zach about coming in and doing the podcast show with me. Yeah. So I, I really wanted to go to the event, but I, I had COVID all year and I spoke to Dave at the start. I think it's Matley. And I said, look, we'll come in as um, your media partners and everything else. I didn't get better until literally, I think it was. Uh, the first week of August. So I was out of the business for, for, for nearly four months. Never. So um, so I, I came and I came to see, to, to chat to Zach, but also as a fan. Mm. And um, my take from it was it was a celebration of motocross. Yeah, yeah. Because for me, it was a chance to see those riders on bikes. It was a chance. And, and uh, little things what were interesting to me is, is seeing Mel Pocock and Elliot Banks Brown back racing and enjoying themselves. Yeah, so many people have said it rejuvenated. Yeah, they were got they got you know not phased by it all. They just got a little bit burnt out, and then so many people are so back into it because of that one event. Yeah, and I couldn't believe for the first race that we did the amount of people who made the effort by making special bikes, having the haircut, wearing the clothes. You're like absolutely fucking ridiculous that all that effort well now it's going to multiply oh it's going to be even bigger you know so that show and shine thursday was so big and anybody yeah. who was there was going to be like i'm going to build one of these yeah and they were already building i was getting phone calls the week after i'm buying this i'm buying it. i'm like jesus could you not just take it Super easy for clean. they're fired right up you know but this you know like um MXGP is what it is at the moment. Supercross seems to be doing well. WSX has made a very good entry into, um, you know, I was really, I went to Cardiff and, and, you know, that was awesome. You know, MXGP, I think if they had uh, a a bit more pizzazz and and a bit more fun at the event, maybe doing something in the pit, there's lots of ways that they could improve that. Um, But they're all series. So everybody, I spent one question that people have said to you is, oh, why do you not make this into eight rounds? Uh, I or, think that would, that would dilute it so much. Exactly. Like your event works perfectly because everybody is building up to that one event yeah. that year. Because that's, in a way, it's like oh, you work hard, don't you? You work hard on your bike. You, you work hard to produce something to then show it. Exactly. And um, that's what works. The amount, like I say, you know, you've got... I use Chuck Davis example, you know, full pro circuit bike, got all the gear, got the helmet painted. And that's not cheap to do, you know, and no, Harry Bradley looks like Carmichael and Scott Probert looks full on like Rick Johnson. These guys have made Amazing. so much effort yeah. and it's good to see like the young generation, you know, your Grimshaws and your Sam Nunn's and your, your Luke Garland's and all these guys properly hanging it out on yeah. bikes older than them. Yeah. And it's just nice to smile. Maybe not Luke Garland. That thing was a bit newer than that, <laughs> I think. But fuck it. It's a bit of fun. Who cares? Yeah. You know? No, it's like, you know, you can see I've got my Ricky Johnson profile of a champion VHS ah, video I there. Fucking hell, I watched that. So it was Absolutely. I don't even know. <laughs> and that's why I try to explain to some of the Americans I see, some of the older guys like RJ and stuff. And, you know, there was no media back then. In the 80s, we had no media. We no, got, like, they were like a myth. They were gods amongst men. Yeah. Absolute gods. And... When I first saw them all was Bercy 87 when I was there with Mark Banks. 
And because I was Honda with him, we got put with the Hondas. Yeah. And there's RJ just over the other side of this little barrier just next to us talking to his mechanic. And I'm just, oh, I'm full on fanboy. God. Full on fanboy. I've gone. I'm just fucking jittery. And I'm like, and then Jeff Ward's there, Von Lachine's there, Mickey Diamond. He's just like, gone. Absolutely oh fucking God. gone. Well, now the internet, I think, is as great as it is. I think it's fucked up a lot of that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you follow Ken Roxon and you think you're his pal. Yeah, you because you know see, everything. You, you know, know everything. About, you can you can watch videos of his family. See what he's having for breakfast yeah. and everything. And these guys are all so media savvy now. It's important to be that way. And you just think they're like they're like, they'll answer messages. I mean, what chance did you have getting a message to Rick Johnson? I mean, you fucking wouldn't even know yeah. how to get hold of him. Or it turns out he's the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, but to us, he was just this mythical legend. Well, I don't know whether these guys are that big time anymore. Are I they? Th- I don't know. I, I think. I think. You've actually just, you know, hit the nail on the head with with your analogy of social media's opened opened it up because you didn't know about Rick Johnson. Like the only thing I, I found out about Rick Johnson was he like surfing from Profile of a Champion. Yeah, that he was on a Japanese TV show. He was that mainstream that in Japan he went on to yeah. a TV show. And you know, I found that out in ninety minutes of watching Profile of a Champion. There was no other access. No, and you used to get like old motocross actions, and then the shop you got that from wouldn't get it in again for six months. Yeah. And, you know, a bit in Charles Motocast, a bit in Motorcycle News, but, you, you know, these guys were gods. And when you speak to, like, Johnny Amaro or Ron Lachino, I know pretty well now, which is strangely enough. Really Amazing. Bad. Yeah, you just still have to pinch yourself sometimes, you know what I mean? Well, I, I've um, I, I, I managed, I have no problem with talking, as you probably can tell. And um, the one person which I still can't talk, talk to it is Ricky Johnson. We got um, one of the MXGP awards there uh, for Majora uh, for uh, for the website. And um, we were up at the same time as Ricky Johnson was being... So we're in the um, skybox. Yeah. They're bringing out Ricky Johnson and the, the American team, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And uh, David Longo is like, right, James, you're, you're on next. Da, 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 da. Oh, James, have you met Ricky? Because Ricky's there. And... Uh, First, my hand won't work. So, like, uh, I, I, I don't know what happened to my hand, but it just wouldn't work. So I'm just there trying to shake his hand. And 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 he said, hey, hey James, I'm, I'm Ricky. And I went, harder, it. <laughs> and it just wouldn't come out. And I was, I've never had that problem before, but it was just like, you're right. Yeah. He was a god to me. He was. And when I met him in Bercy, uh, I was I had a problem with the throttle sticking and Brian Lunas is a mechanic came over and helped me. And we had the new 88 bikes, same bike. It's quite different, but it wasn't that different. And he said, oh, you need to route the cable this way and that way. And then Lunas was good as gold for me. It really, wow. like, I'm, I couldn't believe this guy was helping me. And I got talking to Ricky and some Fox, Fox guy came over, delivered him some gear. And I was thinking, fuck, I'd love a set of that. Oh my God, I would love a set of that. Yeah. But how'd you ask for it? I don't even yeah. want to be that guy. So I said to him, oh, that's nice. He said, oh, it's some signature line stuff. He said, it's not got my name on nothing, but I'm just going to wear it for this weekend. I'm like, that's fucking cool. He's like, do you want a set? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, I can't give it you now in case I have an off and rip a set or something. But on Sunday lunchtime, because it was like Friday night, Saturday at Sunday lunchtime. He said, after Sunday, I'll give you a set, no problem. And I was like, he's never going to remember in a million years. He's never going to remember me. And then I don't know what happens, whether they just opened the pits up or it was fucking round. We're trying to take everything down, and the people in there was just. But of course, they're 
10 deep at the Americans and we're yeah, trying to yeah. work and nobody cares about us. No. But they're 10 deep at the Americans pushing past all our stuff. And the next thing is he stood on a bike stand over the top of everybody with this ball with a jersey and a pants in. And he's like pointing at me, shouting to try and get it to me without all these hands grabbing it. Yeah. And I'm like, fucking hell. So I'm kind of reaching up. I've got the gear. And I said, what do I do for it? Because I'm like an idiot. I'm trying to buy it off him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the fuck. Exactly. I don't know what you you do. Yeah. And he said to me, don't worry about it. Get me something from your country. Oh. Oh, that's cool. And this was in 88. And then I went to the States in 93. And I thought, I'm probably going to bump into him. And I live in Worcester. So I went to Worcester Porcelain. And I bought this fucking jug thing, hand painted. Spent 300 quid or something. It wasn't cheap. And put it in my gear bag. How it got around the States not getting broken, I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. And uh, he showed up in Vegas with his monster truck at the time. And I got it in my bag and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to go and fucking give it to him. It feels a bit embarrassing now. Yeah. And uh, I went over and uh, I said, oh, Ricky, I don't know if you remember. And he, he says he remembers me. Yeah, I love that when but he's nice, super light. He's, yeah. nice, he's a nice enough guy to say he remembered me. Yeah. And I gave it to him and he was so stoked. He called his wife over Stephanie's lovely and gets on well with my wife. And he explained the story. He said only once before some guy from Holland gave him some clogs. And I was the only second, he said, I've said that to everybody in, for 10 years. He really? said, you the second person who's ever, and it was five years on. Holy shit. And he, he was stoked that I remembered. And I spoke to Stephanie about that when they come to Farley. She said, oh no, he was stoked with that. He was stoked, that's still in our house, that house. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But it's nice that's that very, stories very like cool. that. But yeah. I just thought, you know, if I bump into him and I haven't got something, I'm going to feel like an absolute piece of shit. Yeah. So, but that's just in the office now. No, cool. I, I respect that. I mean, a lot of people are going to respect that. I, um, my, my kind of thing, because I, I've, I've always been a fan. Like yeah. I've, I, oh, we all are. I, I, yeah, I'm not a, I haven't, I didn't go and study media at college or, or anything else. I was, a, I was a web designer in, in, in love motocross, but in, uh, I think it was 88, maybe 87, 88. Um, I was at Farley, uh, about 12, 13, something like that, I think. And, uh, I might be younger. Um, but basically my mum said I, I was a big Rob Andrews fan <laughs> and he had the, uh, M Robert team green shirt on. Oh, and, yeah. You know, at that time, Kawasaki was just everywhere for a young kid. You, you, you rode a Kawasaki 60, 80, 100, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, you grew up on Kawasaki. It was phenomenal. And the way that every rider had the same kit and everything else, yeah, it was cold, just it? so freaking amazing. And um, that's what, you know, I'm team green. I, I, I love Kawasaki. So heavily influenced. Um, used to love um, watching Rob Andrews because, you know, you had four and everything else. We were like amazing and everything else. But then there was, I was always the, the guy who rooted for the underdogs. Yeah. So with Rob Andrews, it kind of felt like he was a bit of a, an underdog and he'd always kind of get TMX and, and look for his results every week from a GP. So I went over to him in uh, Farley in uh, my mum's like pushing me cause I'd like didn't have the courage. So I kind of knocked on his motor home. He sort of opened the door and he and I said, Oh, um, hi, I'm a big fan. Um, could I have a shirt? Um, is it possible? Like, you yeah. know, like, no worries if not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he was like, do you know what? I haven't got any here. Um, and I was like, oh, that's okay. It's, it's not a problem. He said, but give me your address and I'll send one to you. And uh, I was like, oh, my mum sort of wrote down the address. I gave him the piece of paper. And as you do. That's the end of it. You're never going to see yeah, it. Yeah, just like, you know, he's probably been inundated. But, I think, but literally, like two weeks later, he sent me 
the M Robert team green with Andrew sublimated yeah. on the back, which for me was just like it meant so much. Oh. I had the same with um, Joe Martins. Okay. On a Husky. Yeah. yeah. He gave me a jersey. It was just a fucking cotton Sinisalo thing. I loved it. Oh, awesome. I just loved it. But, you know, that, uh, that year that you were with Rob, I could have well have been his mechanic that year. You Eight, might have been, yeah. 88, I was his mechanic. I think that was the, um, I think that was that was the actual year. I'm pretty sure it was Nia Kawasaki. Yeah. I, was, I was with Rob from probably about a third of the way through the season because he came, he was team green. Lawrence was his mechanic. Didn't get particularly good results. So they kind of clipped him. Yeah. And then they, he was on his own. They gave him the bikes and that was it. So he, he got me. And I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I was a <laughs> fucking first year in it. You know what I mean? Second year, I didn't know. I have a clue. Really? A so it was like literally that was fresh to you? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, first opportunity was Mervyn, Max's dad, um, doing French internationals with him. But he was hard on people. And so that's he was always looking for new people because they wouldn't last. <laughs> but the desire overtook the desired attempt to fuck up the so, shitness yeah exactly <laughs> but if you're enjoying it you're enjoying it aren't you yeah it's like you want to be involved and you want to be that guy and you know hanging out with mick Aldis and ian brown and all those guys was just like fucking heaven for me it was the best thing yeah i, I got to speak to um i've done a podcast with rob um i think it was uh two years ago when he brought his book out yes and um uh i think it was probably two years previous to that I bumped into him and I said the whole story about I've got your shirt. And he was like, I'd love to see that one day. Nice. So um, I gave it back to him. Did you? Yeah. So I thought it was kind of nice because it meant a lot to me when I was younger. It meant a lot to him to have it back. Yeah. Yeah. Because he gave away everything. He did. So he didn't have anything. So for him to have that shirt back meant a lot. So Yeah, no, it did. Rob's is such a good guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I, being from Worcester, and I was from Worcester and it's just, he was the local fucking hero. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can you remember Apex back in the day before the motorway was was yeah. there. I used to go to the National Motocross Academy with Roger Harvey and yeah. uh, the late Tim Matthews. Yeah, yeah. And Kevin Froud and Roger would turn up and do yeah. some training. Colin Thomas. Who was the other one? Colin Thomas. Colin Thomas, yeah, Colin Thomas. Yeah, they will be there. So uh, I think some of the guys, you, I used to go every year, and I think one of the guys I remember was Zach Bernal. Okay. So, um, but Zach used to like... Um, like basically it was like, oh, I'll be your friend if you would just stay at the back with me and run because I'm not the fastest and Roger Harvey and Tim Matthews give me so much shit. <laughs> so um, I used to run uh, at the back with Zach so uh, they were giving so much shit. We had, I had that conversation with Nick Moores about watching Keith working, Keith thought. Yeah. And I, we were saying, I wonder how many of us who we, we all know each other now, will we just those kids staring in? Yeah. Trying to catch a glimpse. And if you could freeze frame them times at like Hawkston or Farley or whatever, or Canada Heights, whatever it would be, I think it would be all the players. Could you imagine? Yeah. I think if you were like, well, there's Nick Moores, there's, you know what I mean? You'd be picking out all Archie Church, all the guys back in the day yeah. would be, all of us stood there stood staring there. in, wanting to be that guy. Yeah. But it's funny, isn't it? Because like, you know, here I am now, like I, I don't even know. I think I put on Twitter the other day that I've probably invested 700,000 over the last 11 years into, into MX Vice but in, because I love it. Mm. Like, and, and it's called MX Vice for a reason because motocross is addictive. Yeah, yeah. And it is a vice because uh, I, I know like my cousin, for instance, he probably, he was on his second mortgage, didn't pay his gas bill because he'd, you know, needed to get the, the engine tuned to get yeah, um, little Mikey... Uh, Three, three places faster or whatever. Oh, and it's yeah. like People common sense goes out the window. It does. And like when things are tough in motocross, you think, fuck, we're going to be in trouble here because people only need to pay the gas bill. And But people can always find the money for what they want. 
not for what they need, maybe. <laughs> what they need, yeah. And you think, oh, you don't need titanium bolts for your bike kit, but we, you know, we set that business up just to supply race teams, and anything that we retail is just a bit of gravy, really. Yeah. And um, so, obviously, you know, we could talk for hours and hours and hours, and you know, really want to get you back in. But one of the things I was going to talk to you about was obviously something which I'm selfishly interested in because, like, obviously, being the goggle guy, being um, uh, the mechanic, you know. And then you kind of land this job, like uh, you know, I've heard the story with Tim March calling you, oh, yeah. and um, and and basically you're like, I'm gonna we're gonna be doing moto, um, we want you as editor. Fuck, that, can, done, can you just tell I've me done about fucking that? everything? Larry Brooks always laughs. He's like, "Fuck, are we doing now?" <laughs> and uh, me and Larry kind of cross paths every couple of years. Uh, basically, I, I growing up I wanted to be a rider. Of course, you do. First thing you want to be a rider. Then I realised I ain't good enough for that. Yeah, and then. You know, I had the opportunity to go with Merv and then Rob Andrews. And that's it. You're a mechanic now, you know. And then, of course, the target is America. Absolutely. You want to be that guy. You want to go over there. So in 93, I went over there with a toolbox, worked for a kid called Gene Numack, like a little privateer in Florida. Got to know the factory Suzuki guys through Swink and got to hang out with some of the, you know, the, the factory guys. But at that point, to get into it, the, there just wasn't all the support teams. So there was like 12 factory jobs and those guys weren't leaving. You know, and it's just next to impossible to get into, no matter how good a job you did. So I went back with Paul Eddy because I knew some people. Then from there, went on to be Factory Suzuki. Then I had a work visa issue with, uh, it was was a beef between LaRocco's dad and Ian Harrison, who was Albie's mechanic that I got caught up in. Um, And at the same time, Albie got married, went to South Africa, didn't do his green card. And so basically everybody at Suzuki who was on a work visa got clipped. Wow. And there was like 45 people got let go that, that, shit. that day. No green card, no fucking job. So, and I could have sued them because I, it, was in my, it was in my contract that I had a job. Yeah. But I was like, What's, where's that going to get you? He's never going to get you a job ever in the world, you know, if you do that. No. Um, so I went back with Paul Eddy, Kawasaki Team Green, so I knew all those guys. And then I got approached by Smith to be the goggle guy. And it was between me and a guy called Kenny Watson. He was a bit of a, he was like the, you know, Kenny. Yeah, yeah. And he was, he came over to Sheffield Supercross and I'd been offered the job and I hadn't said nothing. And I was there helping out Mike Jones and Kenny Watson was, I'm doing the Smith got job. And I'm like, fuck, they didn't tell me I didn't get it. So I rung up Smith. He goes, we haven't made a decision yet. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I thought. Yeah. I've just I'd been the, told that. I had the arse, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But getting the goggle thing, I was like, fucking hell, this is going to be easy. And it was not. It was massively underestimated how much work it was. Um, but you go from looking after one guy for everything to like 30 guys with a very personal little part of their program. Yeah. And they're all different. And it was great. And so I got to know a lot of people and did a lot, had a lot of fun. Good thing about working with Smith is hanging out with Denny Stevenson. Fuck, I had so much fun with Denny. Was Denny good? Oh my God, I love him like a brother. But because... I love him on Twitter. I think Denny on Twitter is hilarious. Fucking funniest, coolest, nicest. I have not got a bad word to say about Denny. But because I'm with Denny, now all of a sudden you're in like the cool gang. Ah, okay. Whereas before I knew Swink and I used to hang out. I mean, my two favorite Americans are Brian Swink and Scott Sheik. Okay. And I must get attracted to fucking people who go off the rail. (laughs) And them boys are more fun than you can shake a stick at. But then Denny came along and you know then we's with fro and now there's jeremy 
and the Davy Castillo and all the fucking party boys, Buddy Antonez. And we're going out twice. We're going on Friday night, Saturday night. We're going out big. We've had so much fun. I can't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of fun. That's that's a, that's a, a lot of fun. Uh, uh, an XX show. But the motocross, the the motor magazine thing came because I was, I started doing some stuff with DBR. Okay. In like '99, uh, editor for that, who's a road race guy, came on and he. That's where the Dot Wob name come from. He said, "We'll stick it with a doctor's coat." We wanted to do like a how to bleed your brakes, how to stick stickers on, how to. That's cool. And you do like twelve of those, you run out of ideas. So <laughs> we did those. A lot of people even worse of electric bikes, and a lot of people, yeah, <laughs> and a lot of people know me for that stuff. And then uh, we're in the, I'm in the back of Vegas. We're working. I'm getting ready for the main event, MGM. You're in the back of the MGM stadium, and like Tim March is stood there. And I'm thinking, I fucking know that guy. Why do I know him? And I'm busy. I'm working away. And he says hello. And I'm like, oh, he's English. So I'm half the battle now. I, yeah. God, you know, I'm kind of putting two. I'm it's like, it's oh, narrowing it down. It, mate. You're the BMX <laughs> bloke. So I'm narrowing it down. You know what I mean? So yeah. he come in. I'm, we, need, we need to talk to you. I'm like, about what? So I'm fucking busy. I might have an opportunity for you. So I've got a job kit. Yeah. I, I am flat out with this. And he's like, well, when do you finish? Because it's the last race of the year for me. And I'm like, I'm going home Tuesday. I can't fucking wait. He's like, well, come and see us. I'm like, oh, I want to go home. And at the time, you know, I was using the dollars I was getting paid in Smith. I'd buy bikes from the teams. That's how the import thing started. Ah, okay. So the week after the last race, I'd go around California hoovering up these bikes in a rental van, shove yep. them all in a container, ship them to myself, and I'd sell them in the three months off when I was at home. Amazing. So that worked so out. So that's really entrepreneurial. You yeah, came in. yeah. That's me just seeing an opportunity thinking, fucking hell, I can buy these and we can send them home. Yeah. But then I went down to 4130 down... Do you still do that now, by the way? Do yeah, still- a little bit of that. Not the bike stuff's kind of the exchange rates took it out, and we, we've we've took the 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 capital that I had in buying and selling bikes, and we've invested it in parts. Okay, we make a lot of stuff now. We make a lot of stuff for a lot of teams. Okay, we make a lot of stuff for the vintage bikes. And if we're building if we're building a bike and you can't get a certain part, we make it. That's cool. But we have to make a hundred of them, so it's quite a big investment, <laughs> and it's quite a big. And for years, I've built trick bikes was using a few factory bits here and there and they're gone you sell them once they're gone yeah so now we copy them ah that's cool so now you can start to so that that's this is uh, you know again we need to get you in for another podcast show because i could spend hours talking to you about the entrepreneurial version of dog world because it's these little stepping stones and i guess you kind of you know same thing with electric or whatever you're you've got your finger on the pulse you're kind of looking for opportunities sometimes those opportunities you probably aren't looking for but they sort of you're there at the right place. You're there at the right place, right time. And you've got to, you've got to almost create these opportunities. Like I'd be over buying stuff from star or Troy Lee. And then got Mitch from pro circuit. Well, you can buy some of my old shit. <laughs> All right. And then you walk in, it's like, fucking hell. I, haven't I, got, I can't leave this here. I haven't got a million dollars. You know what I mean? So I'll just have this and that. And I did that. I went, I went into his place and cleaned him out for 10 years. Wow. You know, so there's nothing left there. We've had it all. You've you had know? the whole lot. You've had everything. Everything that's any good. And I have been rummaging around that place. That is. I, I went in there for a meeting once with Jim. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, literally I was I was sat up there. And uh, I, the meeting, obviously I had the meeting. It was about social media and bits and pieces. And uh, I was kind of sat there and just thinking, I, I, to be honest, it was the worst meeting ever because I just couldn't listen to what nah. he was saying. And that's going to be really bad for me to say that nice. because all I was doing was like, oh my God, I've yeah, never no, seen so much stuff in so all my life. Game. And being a Kawasaki fan, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was like I'd walked into Aladdin's cave. 
yeah, I'd go in there and I'd be seeing Mitch and we'd go upstairs in the lift and we'd just be rummaging through, covered in shit and dirt. That's and where I was. Yeah. It was literally this 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 desk in the middle of like this. And yeah. he was like, I'm really sorry about so, that. I'm like, no, we're, we're fine. No, exactly. <laughs> so much shit. And it was great. But anyway, going back to the magazine thing. So yeah. Tim, Tim come in the truck and he's on his talk. So I went home, went down to Dorchester when I got back. And they said they wanted to start a motocross magazine. And I'm like, okay, you talked to me before. Yeah. You know, I've done a bit with DBR. Yeah, do you want, do you want the Dot Wob series? Exactly. <laughs> oh, think, that's what I'm thinking they want me to do that for them. Okay. So I'm like, that's all right, I can do that. And they're like, no, we want you to be editor. And I'm like, oh, I'm not an editor, kid. I'm a, long, a lot of things. I'm not one of them. He said, don't worry about it. He said, what we need is somebody who knows some people who can get us in and get us a bit of recognition, gets a bit of traction. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. That's smart, though. I can do that. And he's like, it's bi-monthly. And, you know, at Smith, you know, I'd be working Friday, Saturday at the Supercross, Sunday going to the next race. And I'd be not bored all week, but I had plenty I had plenty of time. I spoke to my boss at Smith. He's like, as long as it doesn't encroach on what you're doing. And I'll tell you if it does. Yeah. And he said, we'll be fine. So I did that for a few years until I literally ran out of ideas and motivation. And then uh, Jeff Perrett came on and I stepped back to be assistant editor. So and that suited me because I, it just, it's just exhausting trying to think of new things all the time because we weren't doing bike tests. There's a lot of the normal magazine shit we weren't doing. Yeah. And that's your bread and butter. I mean, if you're not doing that, there's only so much lifestyle stuff that you can do. <sighs> and it's like, you think of an idea, then race X do it. You're like, fuck. Yeah. Now you look like you just now copy you can't them. copy them. So it, it was just, I think what we did was good. I think what we came out of the gate with was, I, I, I loved Motor Magazine when you it know, first came it out. It was, it was a good great. thing. I think the, the best accolade I got from Motor Magazine was Sean Norfolk, who was Skip Norfolk, Jeremy's mechanic. Yep. His brother, Sean. And he was working for Mechanics Wear, I think. Axo Mechanics Wear. Uh, okay. Jim Hale, who started Inside Motocross. Uh, okay. Remember that? Four episodes. It was like a Bible. Yeah. And Was he the guy who created um, Mechanics Wear? Yes. And he was in his office and they had the new copy of Motor Magazine. And he, he was looking through it and he said, you know what? This is what I wanted inside Motocross to be. Really? Yeah. And Sean came out and rang me, said, you ain't going to fucking believe what he just said to me. And I was like, that's good enough for me. Cause that, yeah, cause is that the, guy, is, that was the Bible. That was, yeah. you know, they they were the best magazines. And cause he was, he was the guy who was, um, uh, the importer for Axo, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, was the importer, I think he, he was, he, he was the Axo He guy. was the Axo and guy. It was yeah. Rent, it was, it was the, Renthal America, Axo Mechanics, where yeah. it was the coolest fucking brands. Yeah. The Cause I was, the guy was cutting edge. The guy was really on the ball. And when, yeah. when he said, this is what I wanted inside motocross to be. And who was the designer who he had alongside him? I can't remember, <sighs> I can't remember his, remember his, his name, name, but the designer who designed all the early Axo stuff, which yeah, was also fucking good. I can't think. Mine's I just gone. don't know. I just, maybe I'm old. I don't know. I, but that, but that back that then, era, though, the fuck stuff was cool. The I know. Fucking, everything was just fucking cool. And like, yeah. you know, the JT stuff, you know, Dalmatian JT, JT stuff was oh, big news. Bad to the and, boat. Well, Ricky Johnson was oh, how stuff. I got into JT. But exactly. How can you not be into My that school stuff? bag was a JT bad to the, bad to the boat exactly. school bag. It's the coolest shit in the yeah. world. And it's just, I don't know, maybe, you're, maybe, you're, maybe all those ideas have been spent now. You know what I mean? And maybe... Like we go back to the internet, maybe, you know, these guys are not as big a names as they were. Maybe everybody's a bit famous rather than five people being really fucking famous. You know yeah. what I mean? Whoever said it was back in the day, oh, everybody's going to be famous for 15 minutes. But it's kind of true. Yeah. It you is know. within our world now because... It is. I mean, look, at, without sounding big-headed, you know, I'm just a fucking bod from Worcester. And I'm walking around, people are taking me picture and I'm just like, what the fuck do you want my picture for? <laughs> 
but they, I don't know. It's like the, I, the internet's got a lot to answer for. I, uh, I, I, so Lewis used to say to me, uh, you don't understand how big MX Vice is on the outside. And yeah. I'd be like, uh, you know, kind of like a bit dismissive because it's my baby, you know, it's like, yeah, like, I'm like, like you from Worcester, I'm from Midsummer and Norton. And yeah. You're like, why is anybody interested? Why is anybody interested? And my first realism really was, uh, I got off the plane, um, Los Angeles for Anaheim one, uh, went into the Anaheim hotel, just checked in like 10 hours on a plane, 45 minute journey. You know what it's like and you're tired. Yeah, you're and, uh, I'm in reception in the, when the kid and his dad is like, Oh my God, it's James from MX Vice. And they, they literally went on to talk for 45 minutes and I'm so tired, but like at the same time, you're, just like, you're loving it. Yeah. yeah. And it was pretty cool. And then things like went to Redbud and people were stopping having a photo taken Random with me. Minute. And it's just like, this is just ridiculous. Like we were talking about Rob Andrews earlier when I was working for factory Suzuki, 97, 98, we were, San Diego Supercross, and we were having a week on the 250s. We were 125 West Coast, so we're getting used to it on 250s. And Rob Andrews is there, and he came up to me in between sessions or whatever, gives it fucking how the tables are turned. And I'm like, why? And he said, I'm telling people that used to be my mechanic. That used to be my mechanic. <laughs> really? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's nice. Fair play that's very cool. Yeah, that's quite funny. Do you, but, still, do you still chat to Rob? Yeah, a little bit. He's in America quite a bit at the moment, but I, I still chat to him a lot. And all those guys who you dealt with, you know, I saw Merv at, at, at Cardiff and yeah, uh, I speak to Mark Banks because Mark's title sponsor for the for the race. And Awesome. You know, like credit to Mark, you know, I rang Mark the, the morning after we had the initial meeting saying we're going to do this. And Mark's like, I'm on, title sponsor. Amazing. So by lunchtime, I'm ringing the other guys giving up, got a title sponsor. They're like, fuck off. And I'm like, it's, <laughs> yeah. these relationships are 30 years old, you yeah. know, and you don't, you don't go around fucking people around. You no, around, and that's the know? value. I mean, one thing I've learned from motocross is, is, is such a small community. Oh my God. Um, in, in uh, you know, I'm only 10 years in, in MX Vice. You're 30 years in. Yeah. So, and it's quite funny. It's, we, we, the people that have been there since day one, like the Rob Sartins who had Talon. Yeah. Um, Rob was my first ever client. So when no one else believed in MX Vice, Rob Sartin did. Yeah, yeah. And for nine years, up until him selling the business, you know, Talon was was basically yeah. helped helped MX Vice get to where it is. Yeah, big news. And I was talking to them this morning actually about getting into the states. Uh, okay. Well, they were in the states. I mean, that that whole story is is pretty crazy. Like yeah. the new owners have come in and um, they've kind of like took their foot off the pedal. Because... I don't know. I think they're doing a really good job. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I think they're doing a cracking job. Ah. I, I, I met him for the first time this year and I, I was guy who did some engineering for me. He's a road race guy and yeah. he knew him yeah. and he's like, they're good lads actually. He said, they're all right. You know what I mean? And they came over and spoke to him. They, them boys are going to do well with it. And I think, you know, Rob, Rob did really well and Rob had an opportunity and yeah. he got out and it was great. You know, he inherited it from his dad and yeah. he did a cracking job, you know? Yeah. But these guys, you know, they've got the new triple clamps out, they're making swing arms. They're doing some quite trick stuff. That's cool. That's very doing cool. Doing some quite trick gear and it's like, you know, you watch, it's not a, it's not a, a fast thing to do what they're doing. But so they they're putting to, the R&D into it. In, yeah. In their no, they're doing a good job. Yeah. That's good. It's always great to see British businesses oh, yeah. doing well. Really? Yes. So that's what, you know. Good for us all. Good, it's great good for, for us all, all, you know, and it's like people, uh, I don't know if it's in life or just in motocross, but people like to see people fail for some reason. And I, uh, I don't, I love to see people succeed because yeah. if my friends succeed, it's better for all of us. 
Yep, and the pool's a lot bigger. <laughs> Better for all of us, which is why I think rather than shooting the electric thing down, let's fucking let's welcome it. Let's just hope it brings more people. More people means more money. More money means more development. More everything's going to get better rather than just being insular and just thinking, oh, you know, like we're part of this niche. Well, it's going to be more niche here soon if you carry on. Yeah, because there's going to be less and there's less going to be people. Less and less people doing it, and it's going to be more less mainstream. Whereas if you can go mainstream with electric, get kids. I mean, I hope the prices come down. You know, like I had a, oh, I was pissed, but I, I was telling the Suzuki engineers their fortune one time, and it was Colorado Nations, whatever year that was. Yeah, two thousand in ten, Denver, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, Denver. Well, we were in the bar, some bar in downtown Denver with the factory Suzuki guys, who obviously know and. I was tired, but with drinking, that's not a good combination. <laughs> and we're talking about bikes and I'm like, I just built a RM250 engine into an RMZ frame. Why don't you fuckers do that? And he said, I wish we could. He said, that engine's cheap to produce, mega engine. I said, it goes in an RMZ chassis fairly fucking easily. It's not that hard. The air boot lines up, the pipe lines up. It's an easy one to do. I said, you should need to build one of those with an RM motor in it and sell it as a clubman racer. Sell it, sell it for four grand. Yeah. Strap yourself in. They'll be everywhere. No, carrying on making RMZs. Fucking sell 15 a year, whatever you do. Yeah. Just crazy. I don't know. But the electric thing, I hope, I hope the Japanese get on board with it. I don't know why I hope that. I hope one day soon somebody's going to roll up at Anaheim one-on-one. I think it'd be f- marvellous. So here, here's one for you, which, um, and we're talking about affordable bikes and this was just come to mind so i was at eichma there was a brand there a chinese brand mm. um there's a big one which is cove they're going into paris dakar up uh, yeah paris dakar next year they've yeah. already got a road bike in wsb 300 or something yeah um next year as well they have developed a motocross bike yeah and it looks good yeah um and well, people want to slag china off because uh, they do make a lot of junk but you know you watch your panasonic tv and you your Apple stuff's all made there yep. and it's all about specking the quality. It's nothing to do with the country. If you want the cheapest, 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 you're going to get the junk. But yep. if you spec a quality and you spec, the stuff comes out of there nice. Like I just bought a load of, you know, the big surfing changing robes. I don't want to use the name. Yep. Yep. I know the ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I found out where it makes them. Ooh. And so we've got dot web ones coming and VMX DM ones coming. Love that. Love that you know, only a hundred or whatever, yeah. but it's still a big enough bill. Absolutely. You know, and we're going to have them, we're going to sell them for 99 quid. You know what I mean? Awesome. Because the real ones were not real. The same fucking factory. Yeah. It's crazy. So well, it literally it's like the, um, for instance, with um, uh, H&H Sports, which is just one. Yeah. They make seven other brands helmets. Yeah. Of course they do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. HJC were making everybody's Fox helmets and everything for forever, weren't they? Yeah. Um, so yeah, interestingly, Eichmer, uh, the, the the amount of new, um, and, and, and interestingly, there was uh, one bike um, uh, which was on a stand, uh, looked very similar to a KTM, and guess how much that was wholesale? Mm-hmm. Is a two fifty F CC looked a very very good bike. They also had a, a pretty much a copy of a Suron there as well. Okay, I can show you the photos in a minute. Um, wholesale three and a half thousand dollars. Lovely. And that's what sport and, and, needs. And to look at the bike, I mean, I'd, I'd love to get that bike and give it to you for you to have a look at. And and but you got to start to think that, like they're they're looking for a six thousand dollar retail price on that. Yeah. Which obviously there's some good money there for for a dealer to 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 make. Um. But what you've got is, 
you know, uh, it, what looked like a KTM, but a KTM for, for $6,000. Yeah. So what, five and a half thousand retail price. Exactly. It's half the price. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the only problem with the Chinese stuff at the moment is it is the cheaper end stuff. And I get people at Christmas time, I want to buy a quad for me kid. Okay. Well, get yourself an old LT50 Suzuki. Well, I can get this Chinese one for 300 quid. <laughs> I'm like, yes, you can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> you might buy three. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to break it and then you're not going to be able to get the parts or it's wasted money. Yeah. I said, you spend 500 quid on an LT50 and then in two years when your kid's grown out of it or bored, you can get 500 quid for it. Yeah. It's the cheapest present you'll ever buy. Yeah. Whereas if you buy that, it's gone. Yeah. This is disposable. This isn't. As you try telling people, but it's, you know, it, at the moment there's not the backup, there's not the spares, there's not the dealer network. But I did see one brand and I, the name escapes me for a second. It's a, it's a, an American company have got a Chinese bike, but they expect it to be pretty good. Uh, okay. It's not Reju. What are they? Are they? Ah, uh, no, I think, I think, is it R-E-R-E-I-J-A? J-U, J-U, is it? J-U, okay. I is that them? I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't but know. They, I were, need, they were at Eichmann as well. Yeah, but there was there's a there's a there is a brand and it's Chinese and they're like the same kind of money. And it looks looks like a beta, it looks like it looks good. Yeah. The thing looks nice. But if there's the 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 network and the support where you can buy parts, then I don't see why it's not a goer. And the more money, like we say with Sir One, the more units they sell, the the more they'll develop, the more they'll put back into it. And if they're getting complaints that they're not quality, not, they will up the quality because it will cost money to up the quality, but yeah. they will do what the market demands. Well, um, I was talking to the guys at Cove um, and they basically manufacture every part in-house. Yeah, nice. And then there was this other brand, which was BNK, and they had, uh, I think it was like Renful Bars, Brembo Brakes, nice. um, a few other bits, but everything else was made in-house. So it's like, I guess they're looking at it as though we're going to produce a bike, but we're also going to be able to produce all the parts yeah, yeah, yeah. for the bike because we're China. <laughs> I've never really understood why the motorcycle industry, and I, I know that they tried it for a little bit, is you, you don't go and buy a standard car, do you? No. You buy a car and you spec it up. Well, you want your electric windows. Well, they sell you all that. You, know, you want your and anybody's seats. bought anything will go and look at a car and go, well, that's all right money. And then all of a sudden it's extra money for everything. Yeah. <sighs> it's never come on a motocross bike, is it? And I know... KTM were going to do that. KTM were with the factory editions, etc. Yeah. That is a spec. So you could get your Talon wheels. You, you can get, get all that stuff. Yeah. Well, they were going to do a build your own. The Talon wheels, this much money, this is extra money, a crop of each pipe, because they haven't got to put the stock stuff on and they buy it in such quantity. It, you know, and a crop of each pipe, for example, is 1,400 quid. It wasn't 1,400 quid to put one on a bike. No. Because it's a stock pipe they're not having to make and they're buying them and, and so it was 800 quid to put a pipe on it. Yeah rather than you getting a bike and taking all them bits off and just having them sat under your bench. Yeah. But then I think they bought Husqvarna. And Husqvarna was originally a spec up KTM, wasn't it? When they first came out, it had better rims on it. Yeah. DID rims, had better forks. And now they've kind of gone the other way. I think they're looking now, don't quote me on this, but they're looking at, I think maybe the KTM being like the Enduro brand and the Husqvarna being the motocross brand. I don't know. Yeah, and get, I think the gas gas is a little bit cheaper. A cheaper option, same bike. Yeah, and then they've, they've obviously bought, M, well, bought into MV Augusta, and I've heard that that could potentially be a bike in the future. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, but then we've po- possibly got that. We've got Triumph, we've got Ducati. The Triumph thing would be interesting, wouldn't it? But I, I, you I know, can't believe the Triumph isn't electric. Why would you spend all that money developing a petrol engine? But I'm kind of thinking that maybe there's going to be one 
This is their entry into the market. They've bought... Um, what was Clients the... Clients so good at keeping quiet, though. When they did the road bike stuff, nobody saw it coming. Nobody saw it coming. And, you know, they've got Ricky on board. I know they nearly had Ryan. I don't know if he signed, but they were approaching Ryan about doing stuff. They've wow. got the old factory Kawasaki KRT guys on board, and they're, they're fucking serious. They don't mess oh, yeah. up. They don't mess up. Yeah, I spoke to Thierry quite a bit. Yeah, and they're serious players. And you think, here we go. Oh, they're not. It's, they're not playing at this. No, no, they're, no. This is going to be serious. It's just a bit of a. Yeah, well, I don't know. It could be electric for all I know. But you know, like we are, like you say, we're looking at a, a time of change that, like it was from the two-stroke to four-stroke. Now we're looking at four-stroke into electric. Yeah. Would you why would you all, bring? Why would you bring all that money and development in developing a four-stroke engine, which, from looking from the outside, has got very limited shelf life? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it is. And, uh, you know, these people know more than I do. They're very smart and it's very trick. And uh, I, for one, can't wait to see it. It's going to be something else. And I know if Rick is involved and the KRT guys, and I know Paul Edmondson's been involved a little bit. He won't tell me anything about it because he signed non-disclosures. Yeah. Love but non-disclosure. He's been, he's been yeah. I know. Well, and, and they obviously purchase Osset. Mm. So Osset with the battery bikes. Um, uh, you know, it's, who knows? I know. It's like Harley Davidson bought out. Uh, Stasic, wasn't it? No, what was it? it oh, was, that is uh, their brand. Alter. Alter, yeah. And for the technology. Yeah, because I spoke to was it Derek Dorenstein who had yeah. Alter at the time. And I spoke to him when Alter done the Erzberg Enduro yes. for the first time. And I was super excited about that bike yeah. because the bite looks so good. I spoke to Derek. He was excited. And of all the manufacturers, the last one oh, I would have thought want to go electric would be Harley Davidson. And they were the first. Yeah. You wouldn't think, you know, for the, the their market, their their normal customers would be the last person to buy an electric bike. But, but when you see all the development what went into Alter, it's like, at what point did Yamaha, Suzuki, the Japanese, mm, fucking, why didn't they just figure out what Harley Davidson had figured. figured out and just said, they've done all the hard work for us. We'll just buy it off them. Yeah. Boom. I don't understand. You know, we haven't even seen a Kawasaki electric thing and they're, apparently they're making them. And... You know, the Honda one we've seen a couple of times, but I mean, that's two or three years now. Where is it? Yeah. And they're still testing. I've seen them leak, well, not leak pictures, but I've seen pictures from a Japanese where, race. Where is yeah. it? Let's see it. But, but again, even when they do bring these bikes out, what the hell's the FIM going to do? I think they'd be all right in 450 class, open class, MX1, whatever, because there's no limit on power for that. The bikes are too fast as it is. But how are they going to limit the power on a 250? The only way they can do it is limit the battery power, I think. But then we, but then we know, like, <laughs> we got people who can literally hack your your uh, your, your internet broadband next, at home. So it'd be next to impossible to, you know. I was about with when they were, you know, they were putting the switches on the on the shift drum so it wouldn't rev when it's a neutral. Yeah, and so you're trying to do a noise control and put it in gear, then pull, pull the clutch, and the thing sounds different. You're just like, yeah, but there's some very smart people out there who are hell bent on getting past the rules, you know. Yeah, and there's also, you know, you got to remember that that sound thing's going to be gone, so the FIM technical people are going to have to be concentrating on someone else. Yeah, well, these people with sound control could be <laughs> going to be out of a job. Battery, battery control, exactly. <laughs> but you know, I don't know. It's the battery technology, I suppose, is holding it back, or. But, you know, you've only got to look how fast that's coming on. And can you imagine where battery's going to be in 10 years' time? Yeah, I know. And it's like when you look back, you know, going back to cars, you know, like a, a Nissan Leaf, a 10-year-old Nissan Leaf's got like a, a range of 35 miles. It's fucking scrapping it. Yeah. And so I don't think the eco thing on the cars is really working out because the cars haven't got the shelf life. 
No. So you haven't to have a new one in five years, as opposed to a petrol car still going in 20 years. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see whether the... But they're definitely getting smaller, lighter, faster, hopefully cheaper. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the one thing for me is 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 making motocross more accessible yeah. to, to, to new people coming in and to keep people in the sport because, you know, over £10,000 now for a bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's going to be that way until the battery come down but the the government and the big corporations are really working hard on the battery thing and like i know a austrian guy whose grandparents were one of the founders of audi cars and his job is to liaise between ktm and audi on battery technology okay because they're both funded by the austrian government and he has to he's a go-between between the two wow and so ktm have got exclusive use i believe of samsung batteries through audi same battery technology crazy so, but how they haven't come out with a, a proper electric bike is yeah. how can they be seeing this development coming and not being well yeah they've left out into it ktm 50 aren't they and they played around with um another electric one was it dual purple i can't remember free ride yeah yeah i had one yeah good Once came in in park exchange i'm, I'm having this yeah <laughs> and it was great but it, they said it was 125, but it wasn't as fast as 125. Was it not? And it didn't last that long. But it was a fun little thing. It was fun. A fun little thing. I enjoyed riding it. All my friends had a go on it, and it was all right. It was a fine, it was great. But, it, you know, you were well aware of how expensive and how, yeah, if you got it, if you if you screwed the battery up, the bike was written off pretty much. Which is crazy, hey? Yeah, and I think until they can have a interchangeable battery, yep. and you can go to a race with two or three of them, Yes, yeah, so charge race, them, boom. You can charge them own, plug them in, and, and yeah. then go. And but they're saying that that Stark Varg's got some good battery life, and I'd yeah. love to. I can't wait to see that. That's going to be good. And you know, I know Tortelli really well, and he, I know he's paid to say it's good. But knowing Sebastian as I know him, I don't think he would if it wasn't. No, but Martin Barr tested it for MX Vice and impressed. I know that JT um, uh, tested it as well. Yeah, everybody's gonna, saying good stuff. I think it's going to be good. But I, why Yamaha haven't come out with one or Kawasaki or? Well, interestingly, um, Anton, uh, I worked with it twenty four Max. So um, were they not investors in Stark Varg or not? I thought they are. They, yeah, I yeah, thought so, they were so, behind it. So Anton and I think um, Daniel is uh, who started. But basically, Anton and Daniel were. Um, uh, basically started 24 max yeah and they've obviously sold out and they've put that in with a lot of money from the spanish government ah that's why it's in barcelona yeah okay that makes sense but yeah. i knew they were heavily involved yeah yeah heavily involved mm. and i saw sebastian at, at um cardiff and i'm like fucking look at you all dressed sharp in your suit and everything uh, yeah of course because he was with anton at the time yeah he was lovely yeah. lovely case but i was with sebastian when he his last race when he got hurt uh, okay. One industry was paying me to look after his helmets because I was the goggle guy anyway. Yeah. And they're like, you going to all the Grand Prix? I'm like, yeah. Well, can you look after Sebastian's helmet for us? Mm. Do you mean look after? <laughs> yeah, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> oh, just have a bag full of liners. <laughs> and some peaks. <laughs> just sit there and clean it up in between races. Uh, okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's doable. It's another yeah, job ticked get, off. The, I'll get me sponge. Another job ticked off the list. I can do that. Uh, strangely cool. enough, I never even got to keep one. Did you not? No, I, he got hurt and they all went in the bag and disappeared in the truck and never saw him again. And that was it, damn. Yeah, never see it again. Uh, I can only imagine what the man cave and um, your personal collection must look like. Oh, I've got a lot of shit. Some of nah, you've got some good here. swag around you, credit to you. we got we got the Ryan Dudgy Wheaties box. I've got one of them. Yeah, I'm very pleased with that. Yeah. Um, Is that a Ricky helmet? 
Yeah, Ricky Hammett as a present from the wife. So that nice. was signed. And then I managed to get the Carmichael shirt here. Lovely. Which Ricky signed at the uh when he done the Carmichael Academy at Fat Cats. Oh fair play. But the uh his, him signing it's actually rubbed off. So oh, um fuck. yeah. We can get him to redo it. Yeah. I got, yeah, some, we, I got some stories about Ricky that are for a different time. Of oh, well that, we're, we're definitely going to bring you back a, for another he's one. A boy. He's fucking funny. He is. Do you know what? It's again, like people say, like, don't meet your heroes and stuff like that. But like, obviously, RJ, I've still not managed to meet him properly because I can't speak to the guy. Um, but Ricky Carmichael, every time, you know, him and, and Jage is, is, is manager have oh, been awesome God, yeah. with MX Vice over lovely, the years. Lovely, lovely people. Yeah. And, you know, I got to know Ricky when we were racing against him with Ars of Reynard in 98 and he was an 18 year old kid. I, I did kick, listen to the podcast and I did, I did laugh when you said you cost me $22,000. Yeah, I told him, they told him and the look on his face was nice that he was like horrified. <laughs> and I was like, but I guess there's things they didn't think of. No, I said, fucking every week cost me 1500 quid. <laughs> every time we get second and you win, it's like 1500 quid less for me. But uh, I get on with Ricky and you know, like all them years I was at Smith, we used to go, you know, to Loretta's and, you know, the guy was on his A game and, but he'd go to Loretta's for the week and just have fun. I mean, like we got so ripped at Loretta Lynn beer tent one time. I mean, me and me and Scott Taylor was the Fox guy. We had to buy the DJ new equipment. Oh, we, wow. We fucked it up that bad with beer thrown around. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. We had to, we had to, me and him had to pay for new, for new equipment. That's not cheap. No, it was a big do. It was funny. <laughs> it was chaos because there was like this funny little trailer thing and they were selling these beers for like two bucks each. And we were, at, you know, you could go and have 10 bucks worth and you'd have a beer each. And then it just got Larry and somebody went in Emig's wallet. Emig said, get, get, get around in. And they grabbed a hundred dollar bill out of Emig's wallet. For $2 beers. Yeah. And they're like, stupid question. How many do I get for that? We get 50, don't you? <laughs> So there's 50 beers on the counter now for anybody who wants them. And then it got to be next hundred bucks is on this guy. Next hundred bucks. I think we did 400 bucks on $2 beers. Oh shit. Can you imagine? Yeah. Carnage. Absolute, Absolute carnage. carnage. And we got Boo, who's Ricky's bus driver. Anybody who got the time you have to have a camera, not a, not a phone. Yeah. Yeah. And they, it, anybody taking pictures, he'd just go and rip the film out of the camera. Really? Chaos. <laughs> and we just got, we had so much fun. And this was in mid-season of him winning like every round. See, again, that's another reason why the, why the fun's gone from this stuff. Because riders can't relax. I don't know if they're... No, I think the internet or the phones, everybody's got a camera, everybody's got an opinion. You can't do anything. Everybody's got an opinion, everybody's got a camera, everybody's got... Fuck it, it's just like... You know, like I, I do stuff on Instagram, Facebook, and every post I put on, somebody's got a better opinion. You're like... It makes yeah. you not want to do it. It makes everybody's busting for more information and it makes me not want to because the one person who's going to be like doing that wrong. Yeah. Or I could weld that better. I'm sure you could. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know why people feel like they need to fucking. I don't a, know. It's like. Where's the need to fucking. If I see stuff, I mean, I could. It sounds horrible, but I see people's bikes. I could rip them apart. I could yeah. sit there and say, fucking hell, nice cable routing. Oh, look at that. I don't. No. I don't feel the need to. No. I don't feel like, I'm like, you know what? He's having a go. That's his best. Good for you. Yeah. You've tried it. I'm fucking pleased for it. If you message me and say, how do I do this? I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. If you ask me. Yeah. If, but I'm not going to offer that information just to be a twat. Yeah. And take the piss out of people and laugh at you. And I'm like, that ain't cool. Or, or actually help you after you've insulted me. 
Yeah. Well, you have to remember that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's one of the, um, you know, uh, MX Vice was started um, on the back of things like Facebook and stuff like that. So like, I, I can't moan about it because that's how the business, yeah. you know, happened. But I'm, I, I you know, we, we're coming to a, you know, like we're coming from a, a four stroke to an electric um, in terms of if my business Social media is changing. Things oh, yeah. are changing. Massive. So uh, we're going through a massive, massive change at MX Vice at the moment. And with, you know, departure of, of Lewis and Sean and Wes and the people that were coming in, we've already got one eye on what's happening next. And the, yeah. and the people that I'm employing are for what's happening next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, a bit like you, you have to... Well, we don't, as a business, uh, for both .web and the, and the race, we don't advertise anywhere. Don't spend any money on advertising. We don't have a budget. We're no such thing. It's just, you know, we, we pay Charlene, who's Tony's my main mechanic. It's his wife and she's mega. And so she's, she's good on the social media stuff. I bang stuff on Instagram. Shout out to I'm not very good at it, but I have a go. Yeah. And you know, like I'm what, what am I doing? Like this morning before I came out, I'll build a Suzuki rear wheel. So I took a few pictures of it going together and a bit, somebody will have an opinion. Well, you're doing that all wrong. I'm like, <laughs> fucking really. But, you know, you have to just look past it and not get offended, not get personal. Uh, sometimes you have to just... But it's hard it, when you're a little bit tired. and <laughs> Really hard. And like, sometimes somebody will say something and I'll be like, right, let's have a look at your fucking bike. Yeah. And I'll go on the profile and I'll be like, whoa, should I start? Yeah. And my missus is like, no, don't be a dick. Step away. And I'm uh, like, ah, I want to. Yeah, my wife's exactly the same. She's like, you need to put your phone down now. And you need to go in, do yeah. something else. Yeah, no, and it's just, <laughs> you know, like we're all allowed to have opinions. Of course we are. Yeah. But don't be a dick. No. No fucking need. It's no one all, needs it. We're all doing the best we can. Yeah. We're all doing the, we're all having a go. You know yeah. what I mean? There's people who I don't like and there's people who don't like me. And that's, if everybody likes you, you're doing something wrong, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, do you know what the, 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 the funniest thing is like everybody has an opinion about me. And it, it, it could be from a variety of reasons, you know, people I've employed and, and you have to be a certain level. I want people at a certain level. And if you don't meet that level, then oh, I've got a list of people who have worked for me, don't work for me anymore. And I'm the biggest dick they ever walked. So, same like, as me. If you're any good at your job, you still be here. Exactly. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, I can completely relate to that. And it's like, I've got a list of, you know, a list of people who, who you know, oh, why isn't my team or why, my, why am I not featured on MX Vice? And it's like, well, Unfortunately, when I put any anything about your team or whatever on, no one reads it. <laughs> so, like, uh, and and I'm then uh, vilified for being honest. Yeah, I know. It's and it's hard. like, well, it, <sighs> no, I don't know what to do. I could help you be more relevant, and I could help you, but you have to ask me rather than come up to me and be a dick. Yeah, I know. And I get it with like with the titanium. Like, we can't we sign non non disclosure agreements all teams. So I can't tell you what KTM have or what they do different or what Yamaha factory do. Or I can't tell you. No. Because it's not worth it. No, because that's the end of... It's the end of it. End why, of, would end of you, why would I shoot myself in the foot? You know what I mean? Yeah. And you don't want to be that guy. So, you know, we do little pictures, but we can't say... What you're doing. We can't say 10% of what we're up to because I'd be in court. I'd lose the deal. It's not yeah. worth it. Yeah. And it's, you know... What's, um, what's next for Doc Wobb? Fucking hell. Uh, well, we got, obviously the race is going to go from strength to strength, we think. So that's going to be good. Yep. Uh, at the moment, second-hand bike sales are crap. Uh, so I'm hoping that comes back because yep. at the moment it's not very good at all. Which obviously we, we spoke a little bit before. Um, 
uh, last couple of years have been absolutely amazing. And then yeah. all of a sudden it seems to slow down a little That's bit. That's really quiet. So I've took the money that I was buying and selling all them bikes with and I'm starting to to make more parts. That's and, cool. You know, oversized brake kits, engine case guards, frame guards, Is all that- the stuff that got discontinued. You couldn't buy it anymore. Yeah. You know, if we could either copy it or come up with it, like we're just making KX250 frame guards now, you know, we're getting the old bit of cardboard, cutting it out, offering it up. Making it work. Getting it, making it work, you know, or, you know, like factory Kawasaki chain guides. They were always like, holy grail. What we've had them made. Awesome. Uh, you know, HRC stuff. And is that branded under your yeah, it's dot all, brand? It's all dot wob. Yeah, it's all dot wob. We, we were going down the road with a, another brand called Superlight because I was, I was conscious that the dot wob brand was going to stop when I stopped. Yeah. Because it was me going to race teams, buying stuff and selling it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, going to Cardiff, going to Fox or whatever, you're getting stopped every 10 foot and it's dot wob, dot wob, dot wob. Let me say it's the bloke from Superlight. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're than, kind of building a brand, which so you don't need to. Quite, and I thought, you know, we were pushing for a brand name that could be sold. Not that I'm going anywhere. No. But that turns out that it's dot wob's the brand. It is the brand. And so, you know, and I'd like to think we're top end, you know, when you've got factory KTM, Husky, factory Gas Gas, factory Yamaha, factory Kawasaki, all these guys buying stuff off us. Yeah. Got to be doing something, right? Well, this is the thing with the brand. They're buying the brand because of the knowledge what comes with the brand. Yeah. 30 years well, yeah, of and knowledge which certain, goes into the You get the certain parts. teams, and I'm not mentioning names because I can't, but, you know, they're bending like front engine mount bolts. Not ours, stock ones. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, we need to change this, change the thread. We'll do this, we'll do that. And I'm offering up solutions, and they're trying it. Yeah, that's fixed it. You know, or they're bending certain guys would be bending linkage bolts. And you're like, fucking hell. <laughs> okay, well, we'll change the, we'll make the hole bigger because believe it or not, making a hole bigger in a bolt makes it stronger. Back to front, I know. But yeah. it's got sidewalls then. It's less, it's actually easier to bend a solid bar than it is a, a hollow tube. Okay. So Work that one out. there is a, there is a, a theory out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, I'd be lost. That you, yeah. yeah. You can't go too much, but no. that, there is a theory that the sidewall, so we're changing stuff up. And, you know, these teams are asking my advice. And I'm like, fuck, you should know better. But I suppose it's a bit of a go-to thing with all of us, you know? Yeah, um, they know what they know. It seems to be. Uh, and, you know, you go to these teams and, you know, like we had one team we went to and I sent them some samples. And i like, we want to be involved. So if you need any Thai stuff, let me know. About three months later, I get an email. Can you come and see us? So we went to a Grand Prix. And I went in and I was like, so um, I guess the stuff's all right then. I said, well, you wouldn't be fucking talking to you if it wasn't. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I said, well, you know, we've got all the specs and materials. He said, that's okay. We sent it to a lab. We know what it is. Hmm. <laughs> so to no, a lab? To a lab. It's gone to a lab for testing. Before they even speak to me. Okay. Jesus. And they're like, that's good. No problem. And, you know, then the same team we a different team actually I was talking about the linkage bolts we made linkage bolts for them and uh, okay we'll try them and we have to make 100 so they had 10 sets I've got fucking 90 sets in a packet at home it's a lot of money and again a lot of money (laughs) six weeks seven weeks down the road we get an email it's all in a foreign language and I look at it and picture of the broken bolt and I'm like fuck he's broken these are fast lads there's no surprise it's it's okay it's fixable yeah and I'm reading it, I'm trying to scan, and I'm, you know, when you first look at something, yeah, your, panic, eyes, panic, your eyes are flicking, in, fucking yeah. hell. And I go back up to read the text, and it's all in a foreign language, then it's in English. And it's like, oh, we've had great success. And I'm like, 
It's fucking broke. I'm like, what do you mean? You had great success with it. It's fucking busted. So I'm reading it, and it said it on the on the test bench. It failed at 400 hours. <laughs> it started to show uh, started to show fractures at 300 and failed at 400 hours. And they're like, well, how long does anybody else use them for? And I'm like, three Grand Prix, like nine hours. They're like, oh, we're okay then. We're, we're, You're like, holy shit, fucking hell. Yeah, it just gave me a heart attack. Thanks for that. Yeah. But now it, the good thing is, now they've ordered for 400. They've ordered 100 sets now. So. Awesome. So that so again, it's like anything. You, you, it, you have to take a chance, don't you? Oh, fucking hell, it's a massive gamble. Everything's a massive gamble. But I don't bet on the horses. I don't, I'm not interested in anything else. My gamble is, you know, I, I buy cars for fun and take a punt that the price is going to go up, not down. It is what it is. Really? Yeah. And it is, you know, it's... And you, the, the network, the old boys network goes deep in motocross. Okay. And I fancied one of those little Toyota Yaris GRs, little rally car. Yeah. Turns out Phil Neal, remember him? Yeah, yeah, Phil Neal, yeah. He runs the Synetic BMW road race team, but his family owned a salvage yard. Ah, okay. She said, we got one in the yard. I'm like, have you? He sent me some pictures. Well, mega. So I ended up buying that. So that's off being sorted out now. It's being fixed. It's, it's a lovely little thing. And that's my fun. I do that. That's my that's enjoy, cool. That's my enjoyment. Yeah. I don't outside do, of outside of what you do, yeah. that's your exactly. Yeah. Like, it gives me a buzz. And if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it don't work out. Sometimes it does. Exactly, you know what yeah. I mean? It is what it is. So that's what I do for a bit of fun. But it's uh, I've got electric trials bike. That's my next. Really? Yeah. Fucking lovely. I mean, if the, if the electric thing's ever suited to anything, it's a trials bike. You've seen great success in that, though. Fucking, no, that thing's perfect. Perfect power delivery, perfect everything. And it's wow. like, you know, you've got the front brake on the right, the rear brake on the rear. You're not even a rear brake pedal. See, I was watching, um, uh, I was watching um, Trial Tube, which is um, Danny. Um, oh, does the Extreme Mountain Bike? Um, no oh god i can't believe i forgot his name i chat to him all the time but but basically he oh. was no no fucking hell. listen to me throwing up the dance yeah i know oh god i have to have a look on my phone um but basically he on trial shoot he was um literally testing an electric trials bike and just said he couldn't find a fault with it, it no i got so a, an em electric motion french one and Butler, this Danny wind. Butler. He's come Butler. to me now. Danny Butler, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Danny. <laughs> I like the thing. The thing's, you know, I've always had a trials bike all my life. And the thing just, I'm excited to go out and ride it, which is the first for me, really. You know, it's, I don't know about washing it, though. No. <laughs> yeah, cautious. Well, yeah, the <laughs> electric water. <laughs> exactly. I don't really want to be steam cleaning that thing, but it's, uh, I'm excited about that one. Uh, but, um, buddy, I know you got to get on. I know you've got to uh, navigate the the, uh, the traffic through uh, Bristol and everything else. I've got to go back through Bristol. Oh, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Do I? Well, you can go around, actually. If you're going up to Gloucester, you could probably, yeah, might, might be able to get around. I'll, I'll show you a little shortcut. I don't want to go to Bristol. Um, I just want to say thanks ever so much for coming down. I know, uh, obviously, we don't want to drop names, but you are picking up Chad Reed's suspension. I am, yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah Chad asked me to, like, he messaged me before... Uh, the Cardiff race said, look, could, could you ship some stuff home for me? I'm like, yeah, no problem. And can you bring a leaf blower? I'm like, fucking leaf, leaf blower. Leaf I was going to ask you about the leaf blower. The leaf blower. So I'm like, uh, okay. And I'm like, I'm not even going to ask what he wants a leaf blower for. Did you know? So my message, yeah, my message dropped me off because you couldn't park. Yeah. I'm walking through Cardiff with a fucking leaf blower. Leaf blower, amazing. And I look like I'm going to a fancy dress. So I've gone down the stadium and I'm like, what do you need this for, kid? And they're like, well, if you look at the schedule, the three main races are so close together, we're going to use it to blow the rads out. Oh, okay. Uh, there you go. Makes sense. Okay. And then, of course, he got hurt. So no leaf blower. <laughs> I didn't need the leaf blower. The suspension. I didn't want to go back into the 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 
pits after the race. Yeah. So they're like, well, we can get it back, get it back to Barry from Phoenix. Oh, okay, that'll be cool. Yeah. Then I'm in the hotel after. Oh, you know, Chad got hurt. How is he? Uh, no problem. Oh, you couldn't just ship his gear back home, could you? Because <laughs> we're going to Australia. We don't fancy carrying it because he ain't going to race now. So we're still going to Australia. Yeah. But you don't need his gear with him. So could you ship us that? So I've got two bags of his gear in my office. Amazing. And now I've got his suspension. So they're, his mechanic's now home and he's like, can you send it to us? I'm like, mm, I haven't got it yet. Yeah, I yeah. need to go and see James. Go and collect it. it. Yeah, brilliant. No, it's, um, no, I just want to say thanks for coming down. It's, oh, it's a pleasure. I'd it? love to get you back. Um, I'd love to do a more in-depth when we yeah, get some more time. If, if both people are interested, I, I'm always up for it. And I, I think we need to talk more about promotion, doing social media stuff. I'm up for anything. I yeah, we yeah. need to do. I understand it's an important part. And, you know, I'm trying to put stuff on that we're doing every day. And you wonder, who gives a shit? But people seem to like it. Do you know it, what? So. A lot of people give a shit. So, um, and, and, and also, obviously, the, the brand, the Dockwood brand coming out, you know, with the, with, I'm interested to see how this is going to grow as well, because I think it's going to just develop, you know, the, who you're working with and, and who you're talking to, it's only going to go on to bigger things. And then obviously, VMX DM, we got to get Dave in. And I, yeah, I, I've got some much, questions yeah. for you guys with like, we got some big news coming up for that stuff as well. And I really can't talk about it, but because oh. if we talk about it, it doesn't happen. You look like you're full of shit, but, it, but if it does happen, if it does gonna happen, huge. it's going to be huge. Uh, and so, it. you know, if you keep working, you keep working on these things. If half of them happen, you're having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's it. That's, uh, that's MX Vice all over it. You know, I, I, I go in, you know, there's so many things I want to do. Like I tried my hardest to get Zach onto the, uh, to be co-host on the show. And, um, unfortunately his kind of life's changed a little bit you know so it, it didn't quite work out but yeah it's and i kind oh, of we need like, to get you to fox hill bring along and come and do some podcast stuff we we tried to get steve mathis in he was doing it spoke to ping he was going to do it and i think now they've seen it i think they're going to be on board for this year awesome yeah well, i'll definitely be there 100 there's mitch's words to me mitch payton from pro circuit i said about it he's like ah oh, it's the same weekend as the iron man he said oh. he said if we're not in a contention for a championship he's coming he said i said you ain't coming he said never say never kid so I ain't saying he is, yeah, but he ain't saying he ain't either. So that's cool. And so we've got a few things, massive things lined up. And if they happen, it's going to be big. But I think it's going to be big either way. So yeah, no, it's from like I said, from from what I've seen, it's if if you want to go, if you want to enjoy everything that's great about motocross, then that weekend will tick every single one of your boxes. Yeah, we hope so. And we're trying to make it value for money. You know, it's fifty quid for a ticket for the weekend. We're not ripping the ass out of people. You know, no. I mean, what do you pay camping for for a weekend? Sixty with quid the family, for camping. Yeah. I mean, like we go camping, it's hundred pound a night. Exactly. And I know you know you've got shower blocks and all that. I get that, but it's you know you don't get live music and nah. You know, we go to these local festivals as a family. It cost me 350 quid. Yeah. You know, for the same thing for us, it's 150 quid. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're trying to make it value for money. And by keeping the price right, you get more people there, which pays for more atmosphere. And then the food vendors do better. The beer people do better. Yeah. Everything's better. You know, so we've got a few issues to deal with in the first race. You know, the security of a bunch of pricks. So we get that fixed. <laughs> more toilets, more bins, more bars, more everything, because we just weren't expecting the quantity of people. No, which obviously... It's a good problem to have. It's a great problem to have. So, um, and, and again, it's like anything. When you do it for the first time, it's just going to be good, it's going to be bad, but it's, it's basically what you take onto the second Exactly, one. and I don't want to be down on it because it was a great weekend, and everybody will tell you that. And yeah. It's weird to... People tell me that Ryan, you know, he raves about it. He's like, anybody who listen, you'll tell her about how great that race was. Because he got to be himself. He wasn't no pressure. Yeah. And he's coming back. He's bringing his kids. His kids never saw him race. 
Really? You can watch all the videos you want. He said, but I want the kids to see this. That's very cool. And they're going to be seven next year. And he said, I want the kids to come and see the dad. Super cool. And so, you know, that's, that's neat. And, you know, everybody's, I don't want to shoot the bolt by saying who's coming because Charlene, our social media girl, will fucking kill me. <laughs> yeah, let's not put got, you on the... She's uh, got no content then. Let's not put it. you on the spot, but... Um, it's going to be big. Yeah, we, be big. we'll get you back in 100%. Yeah, and if you want to come to the race, anything you want to do, just come along and just... We're open for everything. Anything that gets the word out, anything that, you know, if you get some content from it, we get we get a bit of love. It's win-win, isn't it? Win-win. That's how it all works. Well, thanks again for coming down. Appreciate it. Always a it. pleasure. No problem. Cheers, mate.